Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the Word of God. Today's message is entitled, Righteousness Will Take America to a Higher Level. Righteousness Will Take America to a Higher Level. Book of Proverbs, chapter 14, verse 34. The Bible says, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Righteousness, it exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Father, I just pray, man, that a sense and a spirit of righteousness would come upon us today. We need it for ourselves, we need it for our church, we need it for Kansas City, we need it for Missouri and Kansas and all the states. We need it for the United States and we need it for the world. Amen. We call upon you, Lord, amen, for a revelation of righteousness to enter this place today. In Jesus' name we pray, can you say amen? Amen. This service that we do once a year, our God and country service, it's to celebrate our independence as a nation these uh, free states that we have that we enjoy, and we also look at what the Church of the Living God can do to be a benefit for our country in this present age and time. Prophet T.W. Barnes, Tom Willis Barnes, back in the 1960s, by revelation of the Holy Ghost, God spoke to him why he raised up America. God raised up these United States, number one, to finance world missions, Number two, to befriend and to protect the state of Israel. And number three, to combat and stop nations who were full of Antichrist who wanted to arise before God's appointed time. And may we never forget why God raised us up. For if we do, that is the day that America ceases to exist. That's why we give to world missions. That's why we support, support the interests of the state of Israel And that is why we have armed service men and women who are not afraid to go to war against evil that is in the earth. Can you say amen? Why did America win the Revolutionary War? This year we will celebrate 246 years of existence. I know that may seem a long time, but you look at other nations and other countries in the world, we are still very, very young What happened was patriots here in this land, in the colonies, they got together and said enough was enough. And they fought for their God, they fought for their lives, they fought for their family, they fought for their land, they fought for their freedom, and they fought for their own political views. Many American civilians, they rallied together in unity and in loyalty as patriots. Our army had to use guerrilla warfare a tactic that they knew that the British did not understand. We had medicine to combat smallpox. We had other diseases in this country, including smallpox, and cures for that that the British just simply did not have. We fought in our own homeland and lived off it. The British did not know this land, nor did they know how to survive in it. We used the strategy of retreat to wear off the British. The United States lost more battles. Continental Army, it lost more battles than it won. But ultimately, God looked down upon our General George Washington and all of our brave soldiers and looked upon men 
and women, families, an army, militia, all of that, people who were not afraid to get down on their knees before war and quote the scriptures. God looked upon that and said that is a righteous people. And through supernatural, miraculous events, God exalted this nation, and we won a war that nobody thought that we would ever win. Why is it that a baby nation arose so quickly? How is it that we are such an international superpower? How is it that anywhere you go just about in the world, you see American culture there? Coca-Cola, McDonald's, our way of life. They even say more and more people that are learning English are learning it in an American accent. Because we know how to speak English around here the way it's supposed to be spoken. That's right. It's happening. America is still strong. It's still a force to be reckoned with. And it's not by our own power or our own strength, but it's because we have the motto, In God We Trust. Praise the Lord. Solomon wrote it a long time ago that a righteous people, a righteous nation, God will exalt it. But sin is a reproach to any people. You notice this verse, it is not about eternity. It's not about heaven. It's not even about hell. But it is a proverb, a general specific truth from God for any nation to ever exist Back then, to this day, and to the future, any nation who will practice righteousness, that nation will be exalted. It's an interesting study. A lot of documentaries are out there about great nations, how they arose, how they excelled, and why they fell, why they failed. Some may say it's because of economic inequality. Some say because of bad decisions by the political leaders. Some say it's just simply cultural. That's why it fell. Some say geographical, and some even to this day say because of climate problems. I don't know about all of that, but one thing I know, this book has never been wrong any day that I've ever read it. I have seen this book go through the trial of the test of time. It got us through COVID. It's getting us through this season when we could possibly be on the brink of war. It's gotten us through so many things. And this book is something you can trust in the darkest moments of your life. And through the writings of the Holy Scripture, amen, you can be brought out of a dark place. Praise the Lord. And this book says, amen, that if a nation is righteous, that is how it will excel. It doesn't necessarily say if a nation will be holy if a nation will be saved, if a nation will be obedient to the gospel. And those things have a lot to do with it. But our holiness and our salvation and our obedience is not designed to make us a good American citizen, but rather it's designed to make us a good heavenly citizen. And let me tell you, it's the greatest citizenship you will ever have across the course of your life. For it will never fail, it will never die, but you will spend all eternity, amen, in heaven with that citizenship, praise the Lord. But I'm talking about here and now, for the world, specifically for the United States of America, God's word says righteousness. If the people have it, a nation will go to a higher level. Righteousness, it's simply the quality of having moral and ethical conduct in alignment with God's divine law. Sin 
is the reproach of a nation. Sin is just simply the absence of righteousness. And to have that sin in a nation, it brings a reproach. It brings disappointment. It brings the downfall of a people. But our Bible says that if a nation will practice righteousness, something that God has put inside of all mankind, for the Bible says God has made man upright, but it is mankind who sought out every kind of evil imagination. If men and women will listen to that still small voice that is God-given deep inside of their soul, they will realize that it is righteousness that will make a family move forward, that will make a company move forward, that will make a church move forward, and yes, a nation move forward. You think about this, just the very act of men and women. Let me specify this. An organic man and an organic woman, them getting married together, whether it's in a Pentecostal church, whether it's in this church or that church, in a synagogue or a mosque, it doesn't matter. God's word says marriage is honorable among all. No matter what faith it is or denomination or spirituality, God or no God, the practice of men and women coming together in union for life and having children together, that is honorable and pleasing to the Lord. That is righteousness. There's nothing better than that for a man to marry the woman that he loves and to have children with her. That is righteousness. It's what will exalt a nation. And our forefathers knew this. Coming over in boats across the Atlantic Ocean, they knew that the family was the backbone of civilization. Husbands and wives and children. That's why they stressed it. That's why they emphasized it. That's why they did everything that they could to make it happen because they knew that if the family is torn apart, America and their way of life will be torn apart. That's why when we teach and preach, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church, you can feel, amen, the Holy Ghost conviction there. Not only is it pleasing to God, but it's a very hope and the fabric that this nation depends upon, praise the Lord. Marriage between a man and woman That is righteousness, and it will keep a nation going. But in this world nowadays, they're trying everything they can do to pull that apart and redefine the way a family looks. Understand this. This is a judgment-free zone, right? But it's not a warning-free zone. We don't judge anybody here, but what we do is warn people of how God will judge one day. And we warn people of what the Bible says about these things. But it's troubling to me that men and women are no longer getting married anymore, but rather just simply playing house. And oftentimes a child is conceived and they can legally terminate the baby. But thank God things are starting to change in this country about that. Praise the Lord. But it's nothing that we need, for we love our children. And we get married intentionally to bring a family into this world. That's what raises a nation. 
But when people say, I don't have to have commitment, I can just have a little bit of fun here and there, and I don't have to have children, let me tell you, that is unrighteous. It's tearing apart the fabric of our society. It's what's causing the most social ills in our world today. Children need a father. They need a mother. Husbands need a wife. Wives need their husbands. Parents need their children. Amen. The family, amen, is the backbone of civilization. It's righteous. We got to love our neighbors. It's righteous to love your neighbors. The other day in my neighborhood, I saw an elderly lady get out of her car, opened up her trunk, and all of her groceries fell on the ground. I was in the middle of mowing my lawn. I was on a time crunch. I didn't even think about it. I stopped the mower, ran down the street, and helped her out. And this lady looked at me as if I was strange and weird to want to even help her out. And I just said, I'm just trying to be a good neighbor. And she said, well, thank you, Sonny. Here's one of my Twix bars. (laughs) She did call me Sonny. (laughs) Do you see that nowadays? People helping out their neighbors, not as much as we used to. Let me tell you this, I believe that the family, it is the backbone of civilization and there's no greater support system than your own family. But being there for your neighbors and assistance in a time of need is so valuable and so special. But nowadays, it seems like theft is becoming normal. They're not stopping thieves anymore. They're not doing anything they can to protect store owners and people in their own private property. Our police's hands have been tied. That is unrighteous. But righteousness says, thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not covet what is thy neighbor's. I feel like some of you are starting to have a light bulb turn on in your mind. Even people that don't even believe in God and don't even believe in the Bible, if they will simply practice these things that we call righteousness, what began here in America to love and to respect your fellow men and for families to love each other and to stay together as best as possible, that is the righteousness that will exalt a people. Can you say praise the Lord? The answer for this nation to stay strong is to get the sin out of our lives, to get it out of our homes, and put righteousness back in. Our nation grew so fast, even though there was false doctrine taught. The truth and the revelation of Jesus Christ had not come yet, but there was still morals, there was still ethics, there was still the fear of the Lord and family values. And because of these things, God kept his word as we read before A nation who will practice righteousness will be exalted. Praise the Lord. This country has so many parallels to the nation of Israel. It's it's, it's astounding. Let me just give you a few little of these statistics here. Israel began their nation by crossing a Red Sea. America began by crossing the Atlantic Israel began with 13 tribes, Reuben, Simeon, Judah, Zebulun, Issachar, Dan, Gad, Asher, Naphtali, Ephraim, Manasseh, Benjamin, and Levi. I mean, America began, how many? 13 colonies. Connecticut, Delaware, Georgia, Maryland, 
Massachusetts, New Jersey, New York, New Hampshire, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, South Carolina, and Virginia. Israel, when the kingdom began at the crowning of King David, David served for 40 years, and then his son after him, Solomon, served for 40 years, a total of 80 years. And after those 80 years, the kingdom divided between north and south. The United States, although we declared independence in 1776, we did not actually gain independence until after we won the Revolutionary War against the British in the year 1781. And what happened after 1781? 80 years. In the year 1861, America, just like Israel after 80 years, divided between north and south. After Israel's division, all of the surrounding pagan nations, Israel got to looking at those nations and began to be tempted, saying, we should do things like they do it. We should open our borders and welcome them in and make covenants with them and let them dwell among us. And it wasn't Israel saying, why don't you come be like us? But rather they invited them in saying, come in so we could be like you. In America, it's been going on for a long time. And some of us are starting to wake up and see it. America is in the middle of being deceived by nations who are full of darkness to this very day. But I got good news for you. Israel, even though they fell, even though God took his hand off of them, God brought them back from their captivity. They dwelt in their homeland. And guess who appeared? The Lord Jesus Christ to seek and to save that which was lost. And I've got to think about it, and I've got to believe it. If America has had a pattern just like Israel up to this long, I'm believing it with all of my heart. God is going to restore the United States of America to its foundation. And maybe when that happens, Jesus Christ will come back on the clouds for his church. Can you clap your hands unto the Lord? Hallelujah. Praise God. This country has churches all over it. Beautiful old buildings, gorgeous churches, the stained glass, all of that. It's amazing how so many of them have survived. We've got new buildings. America, amen, is built on the backbone of the teachings and preachings that came from the pulpit. But even our country itself, this is something that I've seen, others have seen. Some preaching and teach it maybe a little bit differently. But this is just something that I see and feel that is just so beneficial and that is the very map of America has an unusual prophetic pattern to the tabernacle that you read about in the Old Testament itself. You look at the tabernacle all the way on the east. What started? It was the altar of sacrifice. And you look at America. Where did it begin? It wasn't on the west coast. It was on the east coast. And what happened there? The early revivals, the early Pentecostal revivals happened there on the east coast. It's astounding when you read about the early East Coast revivals in America. Those preachers would get up and preach, and the people would sing, and the people would dance, and the people sometimes would run, and they would clap their hands and raise their hands, and most of the denominal world thought that was so strange and unusual and such disrespect for the house of God. But they read in the Bible that when you praise the Lord, the last thing you want to do is stay still. But the Bible teaches, throw your hands up. Clap your hands. Dance before the Lord like you were doing. And even some of them were so upset at the spirit-filled people that they threw snakes into their buildings. They threw snakes into their tent meetings. 
hoping that those rattlesnakes or those water moccasins or cottonmouth, those uh, venomous serpents would scare the people. But according to the history, a lot of those preachers and people would get right down and pick up those snakes, not being bitten, not being harmed at all, and would simply throw those snakes out of the tent and continue on with their revival. I do read a verse somewhere in the Bible. It says, those that believe, they will take up serpents and they will not be harmed. Praise the Lord. Now, I don't know anybody get any ideas if you see a rattlesnake, all right? I'm talking about if that snake comes against you. But they would put strychnine in their water well, their only water source. And they would come out there having no other place to drink water, worried as can be. But the preachers would lay hands on those wells. And they'd say, by the authority and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, like Elisha threw salt in the water, I now throw the name of Jesus Christ in this well and let the waters be healed. And the people would drink from that well and survive and carry on. Hallelujah. I've come to tell you, amen, that Jesus is still real. His power is still real. Amen. And the revivals that began in this country are still like an altar of sacrifice. That go up to the Lord in heaven. In the tabernacle, you would walk forward after that altar and you come to that laver of water. When you leave the east and start making your way across America, what do you come to? The mighty Mississippi River. And I've read of stories, hey man, of Pentecostals who baptized their people there in that river. Praise the Lord. You go into the tabernacle and to the right, towards the north, what do you see? The table of showbread. And here in America, where is our greatest bread source? It comes from up there in North Dakota, just like the table of showbread at the north in the tabernacle. Here in America, the greatest source of our bread comes from the Dakotas. You look down towards the left, towards the south in the temple, what do you have there? The lampstand that was lit with oil. And where does our oil, the greatest resources of oil here in the mainland of the United States? It's from Texas. We got any Texans here today? Anybody from Texas here today? All right, we got a few. I know you like, you're really proud of Texas because everything's bigger in Texas, right? You keep on going to the altar of incense there where the fire would burn and the incense would come up before God. Where are the greatest forest fires here in the United States of America? I know right now they're in California, but for a long time, traditionally, it comes out of Colorado. You keep on going west. In the, in the tabernacle, you come to the Ark of the Covenant, overlaid with pure gold. Where is the greatest gold mines in all of America? It's in the state of California. Even our nation, with the revivals that we had in our own geography, on our own economy, and our agriculture, just looking at a map of the United States of America, it's like the whole nation is one big tabernacle, a burning fire, a place of sacrifice up unto the living God. And I came in here this morning and prayed over that tabernacle. And I asked God, amen, for the fires of sacrifice and the fires, amen, of consecration and baptism. And the bread of life would be here and the light of God would be here. And the incense of the Holy Ghost would be here. And the mercy seat would be here. And I've come to tell you, I've looked around at some of your faces seeing tears stream down from some of your faces. Some of you who have been out of town and away and doing things for a while. I could see the glory of God on some of your faces as you felt the peace of the living God. You want to know why? Because this place is holy. It's a tabernacle unto God. It's because we serve the Lord Jesus Christ and you feel his peace here today. We are a people of righteousness 
And it's the greatest thing that you and I could give to this country. Traditionally, the United States culture, we were built upon the principles derived from British common law and tradition with a strong historical emphasis on individual liberty, free enterprise, Judeo-Christian morality, and the unique American principles of individualism and self-reliance. The enemy of America, within and without, desires to transform America from a free country of capitalism, individual liberty, and Western values to a totalitarian state of socialism, collectivism, and non-American chaos. It's got a lot of us worried and a lot of us very concerned for our children, for our grandchildren, what is to come in the future. But I'm just so thankful that the foundation of America is in God we trust. And if we will follow this God and follow his righteousness, we are going to be okay. And I tell you, just the fire that is in this room could shake this nation. You have no idea when you call out to God what you can do in the spirit world, not only here, but across state lines. Praise God. How are we going to be righteous? How can we, as the apostolic, one God, Jesus' name, Pentecostal church, how can we start a spark of righteousness in this land? I say, be a patriot. When we call for the standing of the anthem, no matter how many times you got to get up and get down, you get up for that anthem and you swear your allegiance to the United States of America. When it's time for that beautiful song, the anthem, never ever take that opportunity to protest during that time. There was such a great price that occurred during the writing of that anthem. If you got to do something else to protest, that is your business and your freedom, and we're not going to stop you. But don't ever do it during the anthem. That is a sacred song, a sacred meaning. And America, if it's going to stay together, has to hold down. Amen. And remember where we came from, praise God. If you ever hear or see or see or observe whatever with your own eyes or online, anything that would try to bring harm to the United States of America, I say report it. Don't ever look the other way. Don't ever look the other way because I'll tell you what will happen. You start looking the other way once, you'll do it again. And pretty soon you'll always be looking the other way because you think that's the way things are done. But be a patriot. Love this country. Report trouble to the authorities. We've got to get righteousness back into our law enforcement, righteousness back into our system. Amen. We can't afford to have anything happen from within our own land. Praise the Lord. We need to respect our officials. We need to fear God and honor the king, as the Bible says. Never, ever resist arrest. My dad taught this to me. It was one of the first lessons when he taught me how to drive. I was so excited, amen, to put that thing in gear and just go. And he said, Justin, no, I'm going to tell you a few things. First thing you need to learn is you're probably going to be pulled over by a police officer. He said, never get out of the car when that happens. Never talk disrespectful to an officer whether it's a man or a woman, doesn't matter. You put your hands on the steering wheel, you wait for their commands, you keep your hands present at all time, and if you will do that, you will get out of more tickets than you deserve. And can I tell you this? I didn't listen to that the first two times and got tickets, but after that I started listening to old dad, and I've been out of so many tickets, simply because I said, yes, officer, I am so sorry, officer. How would you like me to proceed, officer? 
Just that very respect will give you grace and favor in the eyes of our officials. That's why Jesus taught it. He wanted his church to be able to glide smoothly in whatever nation they exist. And when you respect the law and respect our officials, amen, you will have peace, you'll have a clean record, and ultimately righteousness will be counted to you, and it will exalt this nation. Can you say amen? Respect our servicemen. We've got to work. And I tell you this, there is a spirit of sloth in this country. Some of you know what I'm talking about. I'm telling you, I want to pull over to some people and say, put down your cardboard sign and go pick up the help wanted sign. And that's how you're going to get some money. Come on. Learn a trade. Get educated. Become employable. Serve your boss. Be submitted to your boss. Take care of your coworkers. Do everything you can to be a blessing to your company. You know, people used to talk about, they used to talk about, I know I'm sounding old, I'm not that old, but things have just shifted in the last 10 or 15 years. People used to talk about how they were going to graduate high school and improve their own condition. But nowadays it seems like all graduates, all they want to talk about is what somebody owes them. Whatever happened to working towards a common good and not a common handout? I say what the Bible says. Amen. Work with your hands and provide for yourself and provide for your family. Learn a trade. Amen. Learn a skill. Let God use you. Let God bless you and become a force of good here in the United States of America. I need some more help from you from that. Come on, somebody. It's time for America to get back to work. Praise God. We need to be safe, and we need to protect what God has given to us. Understand this. Understand this. I'll just go and tell you, I don't have a gun on me right now. But I'm not going to tell you what I might have on me after service, all right? I don't have one on me right now. But I believe that guns have a place. That's why they're encoded in our Bill of Rights and our Constitution. I know some of you don't believe in them. Some of you don't like them. God bless you. But in case of an intruder, I thank God for men in our security team, amen, who do whatever it takes to protect this church and to protect our people, protecting your kids. Praise God. I think we got to do whatever we can. And I know you don't necessarily have to have a firearm to protect you. I've seen some ladies that know how to use a hammer and a baseball bat and a, and a, and a wooden spoon and a, and a rolling pin and things like that, whatever it takes But be vigilant and keep your eyes open. There's madness in the earth nowadays. People that are bitter, people that are angry, people that are out of their mind. And we've got to do whatever we can to protect the life that God gave us, the children that God gave us, the buildings that God gave us, all of the things that God gave us. Whatever it takes, amen, to stand firm and to stand strong and to protect what God gave you. Can you say amen? You need to report domestic violence. That's righteousness. You need to report abuse. You need to report human trafficking. Don't ever look the other way. Get back to doing the right thing for somebody and putting it, amen, in the hands of the law. Praise God. You and I need to be sober. If you're recovering from a physical illness, a mental illness, I believe according to the word of God, you should be able to do so comfortably. You should be able to recover if you are terminally ill on whatever medication to make you comfortable as can be. 
But if you are in good health and you are in a good mind, the Bible says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, pray unto the Lord. Call out to the Lord. Let me tell you this, alcohol will never answer your prayers. Drugs will never answer your prayers. Sin will never perform a miracle in your life. But I've come to tell you, when you're at the lowest of the low and your heart is broke and your mind is disturbed, there is no greater source of help than the help that comes from heaven above, the help that comes from the word of God, the help that comes from the altar call. Amen. God is calling his people to get back to a sober mind. And call unto the Lord. Psychosomatic drugs, church, they'll attack your mind. They will attack your mind the same way that a demon does. It'll take you to the highest of the highs, then it'll drop you down to the lowest of the lows. I know I, this isn't in my notes, and I usually don't say this. I try not to say that, but this isn't in my notes, but I just feel to say this. You know, there's a lot of questions as to why so many intruders now are coming in and, and doing violence in schools and places like this. And some blame this and blame that and say this and say this. I'm interested in what kind of medication were some of those people on. What are some of the drugs doing to some of the minds of the people in our land nowadays? I've come to tell you the Bible says be sober for a reason. You need your mind if you want to survive in this world. You need your mind, amen, if you want to make it to heaven. You need all the mental faculties that you can handle. Somebody shout, sober! Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversity, your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lichen, seeking whom he may devour. An unsober mind is a permanent open door to the devil and to demon possession. Those who close their eyes off and don't care and don't really pay attention, that is opening up your soul to the devil himself. But Jesus said, keep your mind right. Be sober. Get off the drugs. Get off the alcohol and be drunk on the Holy Spirit of the living God. Amen. That's how you're going to survive demonic attack in this world. Praise God. Musicians, and please come. Love your family. Love your family. I say again, love your family. The spirit of Antichrist calls the family dysfunctional and is wanting to replace it with the community, making the community the hope of mankind. Our institution that we call marriage, love and intimacy between a husband and a wife, it was sacred for so long, but it's being changed to making having a mistress being normal, looking at pornography to be normal. The enemy, in every way he can, is trying to assault our most sacred institution, marriage between a man and a woman in this country. That's why I say husbands as the Bible says love your wife as God loved you women be in submission to your own husband and if you will do these things it will restore peace to your life to your home and will be a light in your neighborhood and a righteousness that your neighbors need to see and feel parents love your kids be proud of your kids there's nothing greater I already said it there's nothing greater than bringing children into this world that's the backbone of civilization and it's righteousness before God. Praise the Lord. I say to them, it doesn't take a village to raise a child, but rather it takes a family 
to raise and prepare that child to survive in this village. It doesn't take a community or a teacher to educate your child about their gender or their sexuality. It doesn't even take a pastor to do that. It comes from the family. Praise God. It comes, that's all right. It comes from the family. Parents, prepare your child for salvation, to be apostolic, but not only that, to survive in this village. Can we all stand together? The foundation of this church is God, Bible, and each other. We got a lot of nice decor in this church, a lot of nice new things that have come up. I can tell you the favorite, my most favorite decor here in this church, and it's one of the original pieces here in this church. It's over here in this East Hall at the very end. If you walk past it, it's easy to miss, you know. But if you will notice it, we've got a copy of the Ten Commandments, the originals, right? No, they look like the originals. And I walk past that, and I try to stop and look at those Ten Commandments and be reminded always to never have any gods before our Lord, to never make another god a graven image, to never take God's holy name in vain, to labor six days and then to rest, to always honor my father and my mother. Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet what is thy neighbor's. To never murder, to never commit adultery, all of these things are wake-up calls to this world. I wonder what would have happened down in this recent school shooting if they would have had the Ten Commandments right there for the students to come in and observe. And from their very youth to learn, thou shalt not murder. Is that so bad to have that up on a wall? Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not steal. It's when they began to take God and to take prayer out of our schools and out of our public places that all of the madness began to excel. Because people have forgotten what it means to be righteous. They have forgotten God's moral code of ethics. That He is raising up a people right here on this mountain on View High Tribe of a people that will say we will love God and we will love people and we will live by this word and we will be an example of this word not only for our own salvation and for our God but for our own country. Do everything you can to be righteous. Your righteousness it may seem like it's only for you and only stays here. Oh no, your righteousness echoes into the spirit world. It goes across the world. And when God is looking down, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, the Bible says. He's looking for somebody who will live by the word. He's looking for somebody who will live a holy, quiet life. And I want to know if there's anybody in here today that would like to step out and make a move of faith, amen, down to this altar. There's anybody here that really loves your country. Anybody here that really loves America. Anybody here that really loves this nation and our way of life and you want it for yourself, for your family, for your kids, for your neighbor. Amen. Some of us feel powerless. Some of us feel like we don't really have much. Let me tell you this. Your righteousness is one of the greatest things that you can give this culture. Amen. They're coming forward right now. Anybody who wants to make a commitment to righteousness, this altar call is for you. This service is for you. Hallelujah. Amen. Won't you be righteous? Won't you do what is right? That's going to be the ultimate end of a nation. 
And according to Bible prophecy, even the end of the world, it will be because of sin. It won't be because of the politicians. It won't be because of the climate. It won't be because of anybody's geography. It'll be because of sin. That is what is going to bring the end of the world. But righteousness will prevail. It will prevail in the kingdom of heaven, the nation of Almighty God. And if you've got it, it'll exalt, amen, America and prepare America. And who knows what else will happen, amen, in this country. But ultimately, it'll be your home in heaven where righteousness is, amen. Amen. Call out to the Lord right now with your hands lifted and say, God, I want to be righteous. Lord, let your righteousness prevail in my heart and in my spirit right now. For me and my family, my neighbors, my job. Hallelujah. For my work. Amen. For all the public buildings. Hallelujah. Let my righteousness. Come on. Come on, public school students. Get a hold of God. Amen. You could be the light. Amen. Your public school needs. Your righteousness could prevail in a time of darkness. Hallelujah. Come on. You're the salt of the earth. You're the light of heaven. Hallelujah. Praise God. Lord, let our righteousness bless America. Let our righteousness bless America. Hallelujah in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at The Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.